0: Vanity Fair.
3: I'm investing some moisturizer because the dehumidifiers turn your skin to a
1: mommy's asshole.
4: Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. I'm Chris Murphy.
1: And I'm Hillary Busis. We are here to discuss episode one of HBO's The Regime. The episode is titled Victory Day. Today you'll
3: encounter a soup tureen of worms known as the bureaucracy. Prepare yourself. Happy
1: victory day, madam. And later on, Kate Winslet will be stopping by to talk about uh, finding her inner autocrat and her big musical number. Uh, but first, uh, before we kind of get into the recap, what do what do you guys think of the show so far? What are what are your initial thoughts? I'm intrigued. Yeah,
5: yeah. What about you, Chris? I uh, sort of. I had no idea what to expect, and I I found it to be funnier than I would have expected. Kate Winslet and her accent work and sort of an egomaniacal chancellor who is also a hypochondriac kind of tickled me, kind of made me laugh more often than I would have thought, though there is clearly danger present.
4: Well, the show does have some comedy roots or Comedy-adjacent roots in that it's from Will Tracy, who was a succession writer. He wrote for John Oliver. In The Menu. The Menu. Which uh, feels like tonally
1: mm-hmm. very of a, pay, of a piece with this.
4: Totally, totally. Um, so I guess it, yeah, it's a, it's a satire of sorts. It has an Armando Iannucci-esque kind of. Worldview, it's pretty cynical. Mm -hmm. I think Um, I don't. Maybe part of the reason when I was watching the first episode, I I wasn't quite getting into the world as much as I hoped to, because like I don't. It's it's brand of cynicism maybe feels like too reminiscent of the real world or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I'm curious how that's going to kind of evolve as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, um, I I will say that I think it adds um, a fun extra layer if we watch this show, assuming that the nation uh, that Kate Winslet is running, um, which we don't hear the name of. All we know is that it is somewhere in middle Europe. um, But I'm choosing to believe that she is the chancellor of Genovia um, and, uh, of course, the country um, from the Princess Diaries and that, you know, there has been some sort of of a coup or yeah. is Mia Thermopolis government she's, overhaul had to step down yeah <laughs> Mia had to step down uh, somehow Kate uh, some, I guess there's a chancellor before her and that now mm, right. and now we have now it's Chancellor right Elena on. in charge um of the nation that used to be a sort of a utopia, and look at look at what it's become.
4: Yeah, I think that um, calling it Genovia from here on out is what we have to do because, um, well, it's it's fun and it it's easy. Because, and I hope that yeah. uh,
1: Disney doesn't hear us do that yeah, and make no. us stop. <laughs> They're
4: not litigious or anything. <laughs> no, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't never. worry about it. Um, before we talk more about this episode, let's just do a quick recap. Uh, so, this is for episode one. Corporal Herbert Zubek, uh, a.k.a. the Butcher, is reassigned by the Chancellor.
3: This is a hygrometer. It measures humidity in the air. It helps you to tell me if there's mold nearby. We'll need you to follow me everywhere and take measurements. Do you understand?
4: Yes, I think so, Chief. The Chancellor, played by Kate Winslet, has a raft of phantom medical issues. She's also courting American investment in her country's cobalt mines with a literal song and dance.
1: Ooh,
3: a Eva, you're so precious to
1: me.
4: But a late-night intruder rattles the chancellor. She finds comfort in the butcher who manages to foil the assassination attempt. Help me. Help me. Help. The butcher and the chancellor develop a special bond and he convinces her that the finance minister and doctor are making her sick.
0: They want you crippled because you have something they will never ever have. A fucking dream.
4: And now that the chancellor is miraculously cured, she addresses her people to tell them of her new, stridently anti-American strategy.
3: We will no longer be a party to their legacy of brutality. We will no longer suffer for their greed.
4: I guess my first question about this first episode of The Regime is how high did the stakes feel to you guys? Like, do you feel like there's a lot of like mortal threat? I mean, obviously, we see stuff toward the end that indicates that like, you know, it's it, these people are in precarious spot. But like, does it does the comedy kind of offset outweigh the the seriousness of of the world it's depicting.
1: I I suspect that you are asking a question that you have an answer to.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So before we say anything, I
4: I guess I, I, I maybe in a in a kind of base way, I I wanted a little more I wanted it to be a little bloodier, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah,
1: I mean it's definitely it definitely feels like a choice that we are cloistered within the palace. Um yeah. we don't see the massacre at site five that brings Zubak, our second lead character, to the palace. Definitely Seems like an intentional choice to have the focus be entirely on the government and, you know, specifically Kate Winslet's chancellor Mm -hmm. and the outside world feels completely removed. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem to, you know, intrude at all on this very, like, isolated setting. And, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if the walls kind of come down more as the show goes on, if there's some kind of bloody coup, you know, that would be a that would be a. Big like interesting reversal from like this very tight first episode, but yeah, I have mm-hmm. to think that it's like that on you know on purpose, and like maybe as things go south, yeah. it gets yeah. we we yeah. like our our palace gets invaded by you know the actual people that she is
5: ruling over. Yeah, we don't really ever see the actual people. And from a practical standpoint, I sort of understand, like, okay, if you have a palace, like a set like that, you kind of want to stay in it. (laughs) You (laughs) kind of want to use it for as much as you can. The opulence and the claustrophobia of a a space like that also sort of sets the scene. And it it gives insight into uh, what the regime is, given that, you know, we see a a newspaper headline, Butchers of Site 5. People are getting murdered in mines in Koban. Mm-hmm. Cobalt mines and whatnot, and yet we're in you know a place that looks like we could be filming The Crown. There, actually, I was like, wait, are we going back to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to a show that we've already covered? So,
1: I yes, except felt- that the the rod in the palace in the regime is perhaps uh, not a <laughs> metaphor. Only, no. Or not only a metaphor,
5: <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> humidity, right. you know, the yes. spores, and then I was like, okay, are we in the last of us? Now we're talking about <laughs> spores. Like, I was like, we're doing a lot of things. <laughs> HBO doing a lot of things that we've already done before. <laughs> but I do, yeah, I think at some point the real world or the the actual citizens of our unnamed, uh,
1: which again country, I think we should call Genovia,
5: Genovia of yes. Genova. the actual yeah. citizens of Genovia will, uh, yeah, will make themselves batter known. down. Yeah, we'll batter down those walls.
4: <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, I would have to. Assume so, I mean, I, I'm wondering, you know, uh, how much are we supposed to be kind of racking our brain trying to find the real world analog for Genovia? I mm-hmm. I by the end of this episode, I was like, oh, you know what? I just have to kind of suspend disbelief. It's not trying to be necessarily a Balkan state, let's mm-hmm. say, or um, well, there's the,
1: there's the accent issue, which yeah. is all I'm I'm. Famously pedantic, and yeah. like it's it's sort of funny that we have like a very Eastern European accent coming from Zubak, like yeah. whatever Kate Winslet is doing, which I love her like weird froze her frozen jaw thing. Yeah. Um, Margaret Thatcher as if you hear people from non English speaking countries who are in like you know elite circles or positions of power like they will have like these very posh accents yeah. Um, yeah, they and, all
5: get sent away to British boarding schools right. yeah, they're, 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 few of them grow up in the states that they live you know?
4: yeah, yeah. it's so the Eton totally, accent yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's totally. the so, yeah. Yeah, Harrow accent totally so
1: that part feels like a choice but uh, the kind of the mishmash of everybody else yeah I think we're gonna suspend disbelief yeah I mean I think we have where sh- is middle Europe I, well, I mean I can't I can't picture Europe in my mind I can't tell you yeah. what it might yeah. be next former
4: to former Soviet bloc do a map like
1: a Croatia Kinda, yeah, it could be like Balkan, a, yeah, could ba- be
4: Czechia. Balkan.
1: If if you will indulge me, um, and my cursory googling post uh, the episode, uh, it could also be maybe like a like a Romania. So mm. Elena, the name of the chancellor, is also the name of the wife of the communist dictator of Romania, Ceausescu. Yeah, Chescu. Yeah. I mean, this is my this is my <laughs> Romanian yeah. Yeah. attempt to. So that could be an intentional nod. But yes, these were like. Very notorious totalitarians, like big cult of personality. Um, There's a great episode Mm. of the Slate podcast Decoder Ring about how uh, Romania under Ceausescu like went crazy for Colombo. (laughs) Like so mad that like this – they wind up debunking this. But there's a story that like Peter Falk would tell about how he was like secreted away like by the CIA to like – record a, a message to the people of Romania being like, don't worry, you'll get more episodes of Columbo. <laughs> oh <my God.
4: laughs>
1: Which is not actually what happened, right. but like that's the story that he would tell. Um, that's
4: how uh, people really think that David Hasselhoff was p- largely responsible for the Berlin Wall coming yes. down. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's actually a thing. And that, seems, thing. Like, that yeah. seems
1: like the kind of thing I could yeah. see happening maybe like on this show, although yeah. I, it's, mm. it's not heightened in that way
4: yet. It's not, but you see a sort of pettiness and a kind of awareness of... Other nations and their position relative to that. You know, I think that we see a little bit of Orban, like the Hungarian Mm -hmm. head in this and a little Putin. But I think that the show, at least from this episode, isn't really actually trying to do up to the minute newsy satire in the way that I kind of thought it would be another question I have about this pilot episode is so Zubak his arrival in the palace into the world of the chancellor is obviously kind of the inciting incident Mm -hmm. of this show. Do we think, based on what we've seen thus far, that he will be a good influence? I mean, we see him save her and Mm -hmm. so therefore kind of get in her good graces. I mean,
1: it seems pretty clear that, yes, there is if there is mold, it is certainly not to the extent that she believes that it is there. It is not as debilitating as whatever mental and like her ministers are trying to feed that in order to get her out of the palace like that's. Yeah, there yeah, is a, a there is a
4: soft power grab happening, actually, yes. that is benefiting from the fact and that she's stops. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I and I I think it's interesting to have this person in the chancellor who is kind of positioned as a you know, strongman-esque leader. You know, this is called a democracy, but it Mm -hmm. clearly is not. It's one of those Um, like,
1: oh, you won with 97% of the (laughs) votes. Right.
4: Um, Seven years ago, yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) yet this actual, like literal strongman arrives to... Mm -hmm possibly push her more into that mm-hmm. or is he going to bring her out of it because now like she's like some like you know suspicious cohorts have been revealed and you know she's she's I guess kind of consolidating her power but yeah, I just can't really tell where the show like morally is kind of pointing like is this, is this going to be about the Chancellor becoming better or getting worse oh it's not going to be about it, right? her becoming right, better right? Yeah. it's going mean, to be way worse right yeah. I
1: think that I think a, yeah a, a cynical point of view I yeah. think can be assumed
4: yeah yeah okay fair enough <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just wonder where Zubak kind of was going to factor into that. Like, Mm -hmm. are we looking at a budding romance? You know, I, I just, I can't really tell. Which is interesting. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think you don't cast an actor like Matthias Schoenaerts without like having a lot for him to do, which Mm -hmm. is intriguing.
5: We meet her through his eyes. And he's, you know, he is a butcher of site five. So he right. has a sort of a, a a tough backstory and has, you know, uh, uh, murdered people on behalf of the government. Mm-hmm. He was in the army. Right. And, and I do it feel seems like, like
1: in an unprovoked incident.
5: Yeah. Yes. I do think it also given like we're talking about where is Genovia? What is Genovia? He sort of represents more of like, an, like maybe like uh, not that it's an ethnocentric country, but he seems to be of the you know of the people, salt yes. of the earth of the people. Right, mm-hmm. he's the only sort of outside the the palace walls. He's our outsider inside that we get to follow into the regime, and it feels like he has a lot of strong ties to uh, to the country. He, he cares about his motherland in a way mm-hmm. that maybe the people who are running the show, that you know, our finance chief finance officer mm-hmm. and her personal doctor, might not have a tie to, those, yes. to the country in that way. They so seem I do interested think,
1: in personal enrichment at all costs. Yes,
5: and continuing the regime and maybe yes. even grabbing more power for themselves, but not mm-hmm. uh, for the benefit of the people. So I do feel that he has been brought in uh, maybe not to I mean, you can't really corrupt <laughs> um, the chancellor because she seems to sort of already not necessarily have everyone's best interests out, but I do think he's gonna push her in a way that's more like, okay, what of what of the people of Genovia? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And once a leader like that who is willing to sort of, you know, power grab and all that stuff, once they do get that particular messaging shored up, like, no, no, I'm representing you, the common people, like, you know, it, it, very nationalistic, all that. Then mm-hmm. things get can get even more dangerous, you yes. know, and I guess maybe that's kind of where the show is pushing us.
1: Yeah, populism does not seem, <laughs> at least in this context, <laughs> this, like it's This version to of it,
4: yeah, yeah it probably work. isn't yeah. good. I, I think it's
1: all about, yeah. yeah, not sucking on America's teat anymore. Right, Um, um right. Like, what does that mean?
4: I like that the resource they chose was cobalt, mm-hmm. because that's a very, like, in the real world, like a very fraught mm-hmm. element or mineral, I don't know what to call it element, I guess, that mostly I think a lot of that mining is in Africa and it's really dangerous and there's a lot, you know, but like our cell phones need it for the batteries or whatever, like that positions this little country of Genovia mm. as we're yeah. calling it, like as as actually something that does have leverage in the world because this mm-hmm. is a limited resource and people that, that is like very much needed and I don't know. So the whole thing with, her, with uh, you know, her giving a speech saying we're kicking the Westerners away like we're not going to deal with them, we're not going to could have like suck up to them anymore.
3: I will not let you be sucked into the decadence and toxicity of America and its surrogates around the globe. For years we have suffered so they could build the global order in their image. They've provided material aid to corrupt regimes abroad, they committed and abetted mass murder, and they've waged their crony capitalist war in every corner of the planet. They have told the rest of us, play ball, sit up straight, do as we tell you, and pay the toll.
4: What is the show arguing about that version of global politics? Like, obviously, America has an undue influence on, like, too much of the world, and the show is kind of rejecting that, but it's also in doing so putting power in the hands of who seems to be a bad person. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Like, it, I guess it's it's kind of ambivalent, I suppose, is the... So
1: far, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and then you just have, you have, you know, Andrea Riseborough who just seems to be, you know, trying to go along and get along and, like, survive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she has a kid and right. she wants to, yeah. she wants the best for him, you know, pretty, like, easy motivation. And those seem like you know she seems like the sympathetic character here
4: yes yes poor yeah. agnes so so the kid situation is that's her child but it's, but the chancellor pretends it's hers like publicly that, yeah
1: I think that oh is that I didn't get that I just thought that the chancellor is like you just know likes, likes having, having a him around. Like have,
4: yeah, oh okay. And okay. he's like herself. he's like a little
1: pet. Yeah. Oh I see. Yeah.
4: Okay. Oh yeah. Basically like oh your son is actually my plaything. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. my plaything. Yeah. Okay. You know right. she like I don't have any responsibility.
0: Yeah.
1: And then sends him away. And yeah I mean she doesn't she doesn't seem like a family a family values type of lady. Um I mean the well, backstory yeah. that that her Nick, husband that oh Nikki my had a husband that Nikki had a wife and a child and then she was like no, you're going to marry me. Because it's, yeah. yes, it's, it's good for my campaign.
5: Yes. Because it's good for my campaign. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's one of the broader moments of the episode. Like, would he really be telling this to a bunch of strangers? Like... Probably and, and not. And at such
4: length, <laughs> and you can the Americans are like kept. They keep we, nodding. We love Paris. That's why I've never
1: spoken yeah. to my family again. Yeah, which like if that yeah. like that that and you know her her performance um, of a of a classic. Yeah, a well, classic a
5: delusional. Yeah, love, are, uh, and,
1: and Kate Winslet
4: like can sing, so uh-huh. that's good. Fake bad singing. That, that was you know, very which is hard to do. It's very hard to do.
1: I found out also that the the dictator of Turkmenistan is a dentist like turned politician who loves to make people watch him sing and rap. Oh, wow, so that, and rap that could be. Let's uh, go to an Turk Turkmenistan.
5: I know. <laughs> There's something about people. I'll, I'll meet you there. Right? Singing, <laughs> but yeah, no, like <laughs> they I just love to force people to. Yeah, to,
1: like, I, I liked sing. that. I liked the bigger moments of like kind of more overt comedy, like cringy. I don't know. Like I feel like uh I feel like Selena Meyer would have done that. Like made people oh, watch sure. her at her birthday party or whatever. Like sing mm-hmm. badly and then make them clap for her
5: yeah and it showed uh, you know her the, the depths of her narcissism I mean the scene with her smacking Herbert right after saying I'm not ridiculous with her little lisp mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then <laughs> very very <her>, great <laughs> Very great. list <laughs> for having a moment, uh, you know. Yes, May, our, our,
1: yeah, our greatest uh, Oscar winning actresses doing silly little lists is. Uh, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> to the shield their
5: actual, yeah, <laughs> to shield their true duplicitous and sort yes. of evil nature is kind of really kind of interesting. But really, like the global politics and the America of it all. I, I wonder, given Kate and Elena's sort of like history, of she clearly like is intelligent and and. Whatnot. But I think that with the Herbert of it all, she's so clearly influenced. She's so narcissistic. Her ego is so, so fragile and yet so big that really she's looking for anyone to sort of steer her into causing a full-on war with America, which I don't think Genovia is sort of set up to do. Probably, or sort of probably up, not. Probably not. Right. So I I don't know I think but if the, there's uh, a
1: Ukraine nearby that they can invade or something like that right maybe that's right. maybe that's coming
4: yeah I mean maybe. I think that like th- viewed you know as a mm, companion piece or follow up to Succession the Roy family was pretty powerful but imagine if Kendall Roy could have a tantrum about Succession while also running a country right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like <laughs> you know I think I think it's very a huge part of the portraiture on this show that the dad. Still looms so large in her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, quite literally, that he's still physically present it's in bit, her life. Yeah, like, he's
1: you know he's Lenin. Yeah, you know, exactly. just like lying yeah, there. Yeah,
4: yeah. I think thinking about the Simpsons when um, Russia seems to be taking over, and the Len- Lenin like gets out of his glass <laughs> casket and says, "Must
5: destroy capitalism." Yeah. Know. <laughs> uh, maybe that'll happen on this. Who knows? Maybe. Wait. I I have a question mm-hmm. too in terms of the meeting in dreams that mm-hmm. sort of between. The oh Herbert yeah. And mm-hmm. how seriously do we think we should take the fact? to that Elena feels like she's seen Herbert before. She's like, I see you in my dreams that they sort of. I might- like that
1: you're calling him Herbert because you, Herbert. you feel like very deep. You feel like a very <laughs> yeah. deep bond
5: with him. <laughs> I do. I like it. To you, he's not the butcher. He's, he's not, not- Zupac. No, he's not no. the butcher of no, side five. No, he's Herbert. No, <laughs> Herbert and Elena, the chancellor. But yeah, I don't know how much uh, we should, how much do you think we should be reading into that it connection. Seems, is it just chemistry that they have yeah, or is it something Yeah, it, it seems like
1: some offhand thing she said, like maybe to kind of fuck with him mm-hmm. um, at the very, you know, in that first meeting. But, yes, she is more easily influenced than she probably, like, would admit to being. And him, he seems, yeah, he, he has kind of the heart of a zealot and he clearly mm. very much believes in her. And I don't know if he actually thinks that he's had these dreams or he just wants to connect with her or what. But it does seem like whatever— Connection was maybe kind of floated as a joke, and they're both coming to believe that it's real.
4: Yeah. She's clearly unhinged, but he also might be unhinged too. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see
1: him yeah. walking yeah, through the yeah. halls, slapping himself and saying, "Kill yourself." Kill
5: well, himself. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. This is this yeah. is not a
1: well man. He did those inclined push-ups very well. He did,
5: really? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. those that's climbers, me, right those right mountain climbers. He, yeah. 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 yeah, No,
1: he has a he has before a whole recording. body. He has a whole body weight circuit worked out, um, which is great because you can work out anywhere.
4: That's true. Yeah, yeah you know that's the thing. He doesn't need. A gym. <laughs> he doesn't need equipment. He doesn't need a gym. Do we want to see them kiss? Do we want to see them get together in that way?
1: I mean, Nikki seems like a like a weak little slime ball, so yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I'm rooting for him. <laughs> know, it feels much.
5: sort of inevitable it, it, to some he degree. He does speak it, it French, really... which
1: is attractive.
5: Yes,
4: that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree, Chris. I think they wouldn't set up this dynamic in the way they already have in the first episode without some version of that mm-hmm. making itself apparent. But I don't also think that given that, you know, who made the show and how the show is already sort of pitched tonally, uh, I don't think it's going to be a romance.
1: No, it's not The Bodyguard. Yeah. Right. We're not watching The Bodyguard here. <laughs>
5: yeah. Although We're not?
1: Oh. <laughs> we could. We could. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe we could be. Um, but yeah, I, I think that tonally I agree, Richard, that maybe it's a little scattered. But I think that there's a lot of really good details. I love Kay Winslet, like I said, facial tick or whatever she's doing. Yeah. I think that that's like a fun character choice. I love that she says, you know, we can't have salmon because it's weak. Like little, <laughs> yeah. there's little turns of phrase that I think work very well. You know, when all the minister's, are waiting for her. It is very much like watching Jerry and Carolina and whoever from Succession like Gossip Before the Roys come in. But I miss that show. No, that is a fun
4: energy. I think also by the end of this episode, I was glad. I mean, you know, this is a fictional person. I can root for a fictional, awful person. Mm -hmm. I was glad Mm -hmm. to see her a bit more like maybe a little bit out of the sort of germophobia, all that stuff and a little bit more centered and empowered because like that's more of the stuff I wanna see. Like I think it, it will be more fun if she's very imperious and sort of, you know, cruel and all that stuff. <laughs> as much as I thought that Winslet was great at doing this stuff where she you know, she's like scared of stuff on the walls and, and kind of like losing her mind, I had sort of tuned in wanting to see her be like the iron fist and so I yeah. think we're gonna we're gonna get there, maybe yeah. in episode yeah. two.
0: You
1: know, I, I think a woman can be both.
0: She, you know what? <laughs> Scared of germs. Can a, and also right. rule yes, an can rule with iron. She can be right. a,
1: a paranoid lunatic yeah. yep. and a, a strong, powerful
5: lunatic. I think that's a great message yeah.
4: for, <laughs> for, the, for the young for women the youth of America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Still watching. We'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, a conversation with our Chancellor, Kate Winslet.
6: We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party, or having family over, or even just cooking for yourself, when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming.
1: Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides
0: water soup at this point.
6: I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space? A toddler who only eat buttered pasta? Name your dinner emergency? We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now.
5: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day. That's three percent on your favorite products at Apple, two percent on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and one percent on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co/cardcalculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, I for one absolutely wholeheartedly believe that every world leader should have to sing 16 bars before getting elected.
1: <laughs> like, Any like sort like of their t- choice, like a, like a talk sing thing where you're adding in some ad libs. I completely agree. Um, yeah, and-
5: an audition, if you will. I do yeah. think I think it's important.
1: I think yeah. I I think you're right on the money. Um, and I think we're going to find out whether Kate Winslet uh, believes the same thing because we have an interview with her. Um, Kate Winslet takes on this role. Uh, she also is an executive producer of the show. Um, she's Had several great collaborations with HBO in the past, Mildred Pierce and Mare of Easttown. And yeah, we're very excited that our colleague David Canfield got to talk to her.
4: Yeah, you normally hear David with me on Vanity Fair's other podcast, Little Gold Men. So we're we're really happy to have him uh, be joining the Still Watching family for this big interview. Uh, And yeah, I'm curious to hear the conversation because Kate Winslet is no stranger to HBO, but comedy is sort of a newer thing for her. So I'm curious to hear her kind of talk about that and... you know, maybe give us some teasers about what to expect for the rest of the regime.
2: Uh, Kate Winslet, thank you so much for being here. We're going to talk all about episode one of the regime. Uh, to start, it is such a pleasure to see you get to be funny. I haven't seen you do a ton of comedy lately. Uh, can you talk about just walking into that space, uh, how that maybe changes your chemistry as an actor at all?
3: Um, So did I make you laugh then?
2: You made me laugh a lot. Okay, that's so good. (laughs) Oh
3: my God, thank you so much. See, look, I'm just like my character. I just want approval and love, (laughs) (laughs) affection.
0: I'm seeing the connection already.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You see, there's so many similarities. No, there's none. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had to accept early on that I was nothing like this character and that there was nothing in her that I had ever come across before. And this was just a role. I, I, mean, I just had never played anything like this. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like to do something funny that is clever. That's, that's the dream. I mean, really it is. You know, I have always wanted to do comedy and hoped that the right thing might, you know, show its face at some point. And so to be delivered six episodes of just delicious outrage um, set in an unreal imagined place with characters that don't exist, it was just irresistible. I mean, and because it's set against a geopolitical backdrop and yet these characters are totally invented, it meant that us as actors had so much freedom i mean i have to be honest it did give us artistic license to uh-huh. really go to town um but then also i had to learn quite quickly that to make something funny you can't just like try and do a funny you can't be uh-huh. funny you have to you have to play it you have to play it straight and you have to really rely on the the lines behind it and you have to rely on the other actors to bring it and you have to really kind of watch each other and learn that sometimes the humor can just be in the rhythm, in the pauses, in the looks. You know, I mean, some of the opportunities I had to just do a teeny tiny little face thing and yeah. not talk um, and learning, learning that and learning how to use that as punctuation sometimes. Um, yeah, I learned a lot every day, like literally every day.
2: I can imagine. Yeah, I think to that point, you have to sort of build the character in, in a similar fashion, right? She has to have the same kind of building blocks. How did you talk to Will Tracy and, and the team about exactly who this woman was and, and how you would walk through spaces, what those looks would look like, as you say?
3: Well, I knew right away that it wasn't going to make sense for me to play her using my own voice. I mm-hmm. knew that. And we talked about that as a team early on, Stephen Frears and myself, Jessica Hobbs and Will. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion around that. Well, why wouldn't you use your own voice? And the the main point for me was that when you put a character with a clear, concise, typical RP accent in a palace, the second that person opens their mouth, the audience is going to think that it's, Um, It's a monarchy, that it's Mm -hmm. royalty. And we have had many shows in recent years about real royal families. Mm -hmm. And this is an imagined world. And so we had to welcome everyone's voices that they wanted to bring in. So that's why Matthias uses a version of almost his own accent. Guillaume Gallienne is French. Andrea Riseborough is originally from the north of England. And she chose to honour actually some of her ancestry who were people of service in mm. going with that voice. So for Elena, I knew that I had to find something and make it believable. And so what I did was I really tried to concentrate on her whole life. And in particular, her childhood. And actually, I worked a little bit with a neuroscientist and a psychologist to try and understand trauma and exposure to trauma and how that can impact on someone's physical self and mental self. Oh, wow. Obviously, this, this is a woman who is in a dec- you know, declining mental
1: mm-hmm.
3: and imagined physical state of decline. And that has to come from somewhere. It's not something that's just happened. It's probably always been with her. And so once I decided... And with Stephen and Jess together, we agreed that her childhood was probably fairly traumatic and that there was clearly something not quite right about the relationship with her father, that that would have stayed in her in a very significant way. And as she had risen to power, perhaps there were certain things that she would do, whether it was become really paranoid about germs or distrustful of people not wanting to go out which is a more of a recent thing in our story um how she moves how she speaks how she holds herself we allowed for those things to be manifestations of something more traumatic that had learned to live inside of her body but that she had had to learn how to hide And so I then realized that I was playing someone who was always wearing a mask of some kind. And once we settled on that, it then gave us the freedom to really explore the theatrics. So she could then dress in ways that are almost absurd, you know, being sometimes overtly sexual with just how tight those costumes are that I was occasionally sewn into. (laughs) 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 Because she uses her physical self in a way Mm -hmm. that is completely inappropriate at times, but simply because she doesn't have the emotional language with which to communicate what she thinks, how she feels. You know, she thinks that being powerful just means they love me, they see, look... They think I'm beautiful. See, I look nice, don't I? Yes, I look nice. Okay, let's go. She's constantly asking people, does she look nice? Never waiting for a response and always just telling it to herself. Mm-hmm. So these weird sort of twisted affirmations that, that go on are all part of her sickness, really. Um and then, of course, she falls in love with the most most unlikely of characters, but yes. really actually falls in love and becomes somewhat obsessed by him, as he does with her, which we mm-hmm. see. And then her whole power trajectory goes extremely pear-shaped because she just listens to him perhaps a little bit too much.
2: Just a little bit.
3: <laughs> just a little bit, yes.
2: <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, though, the amount that goes into this psychology uh, that you're describing, and yet the task... Ultimately is to make her funny, like you were saying at the beginning. It's it's a strange question, but how did you find that experience? Like, especially knowing all that a lot of this is coming from pain, trauma, etc. And then spinning it in a way where we can laugh.
3: I think you just have to be prepared as an actor to be able to laugh at yourself. You yeah. know, to not be able to take yourself too seriously. So I had to just drop drop all that. I had to not worry about whether people thought I was funny or not funny or, you know, I I had to I had to learn very quickly that that was just like do- bullshit self-indulgence. Just mm-hmm. stop stop all that. Um but the script was, you know, the script was so strong and the humor um and the darkness of the humor, the satirical Rhythm of the humour was so abundantly clear to all of us that um, we as actors all walked through the doors and into the same damn room when it came to what story we were telling. And that was enormously helpful. And actually, I have to say, like a lot of the actors we were working with have done comedy in the past, you know? Mm -hmm. And I realised quickly, okay, yeah, right. Okay, so you play it straight, you know, that thing. I had to learn so damn quickly that... Um, and comedy just isn't funny if you're trying to make it funny. It's the circumstance. It's the absurdity of what they're doing, that world, what they're saying. And it's everything. It's that entire universe. It's not just any one thing at any given time. Um, and so as a sort of a collaborative creative team, we all had to really kind of... We absolutely had to listen to one another, really. And it was so lovely to have that. It was really and truly. There was no sense of people being in their different departments. It was all one thing and we had to all work together. It was just fantastic. Can I ask you about the singing?
2: (laughs) And and particularly like doing great, doing a great job at singing poorly. I think that's a really unique task, right? (laughs) Oh my God.
3: Oh my God. So Will Tracy had created this brilliant scene where she stands up and she sings for her people as though it's something that maybe she often does at these kind of state dinners, you know, that's her little gimmick, right? Mm -hmm. And so I damn well learned to sing that song well, which is, by the way, a hard (laughs) song to sing, okay? So we go into Abbey Road, which is where Alexandra Desplat records everything. So it's an incredibly exciting moment. I'm standing on the fucking stage where the Beatles recorded everything and I can't believe it, and here I am singing this song and they're all up in the recording booth, and I can see them in this big glass box, and there's Stephen Frizz like this. <sighs> and he looks sort of a bit grumpy, and I'm thinking, oh, fuck, i better get it right. So I sing the song, like, confidently, and, you know, well, I'd been practicing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I get to the end, and he goes... <laughs> through the window, he just shakes his head. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, what? So he, this little person, <laughs> little Stephen, walks from behind the glass door, opens the actual door of the stage and starts to walk down the steps towards me. And I'm going, what? What is it? Is it horribly? He goes, no, I just don't understand. Huh. I don't understand why she's singing well. Why? Why? I said, um, because that's written in the script. <laughs> and he said, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I said, okay, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Thinking, shit, he's going to change the song. We've only right. got today to record it, and then we're all going up to, you know, we're all going up to the Peak District where we're filming up there this afternoon. And he said, sing it, sing it badly. And I'm like, huh. okay, now I get it. And the second I started singing it badly, this window framing all mm. these phenomenal professionals – suddenly became a cackling, giggling mass of hysterical people wow. who could not stop laughing. And I was like, okay, that's the way we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually quite difficult to sing badly. Right. I mean, not sing badly, but to find like the ba- really bad version of the bad key mm-hmm. It's quite hard to do and keep doing the same thing every time. Oh, my God. You nailed it, and it was—it was, but it was—but what's so what's so clever about that on Stephen's part is that it is an—it is literally it is a free pass handed to the audience that says to them this is meant to be absurd. She is delusional. Like it's literally, it's 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 a creative instruction almost, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was just so I was like, okay, whew, okay, I can relax a little bit now. He's given me a bit of a free pass right. here. This is great. Um, and it was honestly so much fun. So much fun.
2: What a way to walk into a character! She is delusional. This is ridiculous.
3: <laughs> I like, to, but but she but but she absolutely is, and I just yep, had to embrace that. There's no point trying to make it real. It's not. It's not yep. meant to be. Uh, well, to that
2: point, I'd love to to close by asking you, even beyond the absurdist confines of this show, if you did look at all to the rest of the world, to the the. You know, there's no shortage of terrible leaders we've had uh, in our history and and recently. Like, if there were any models for you in terms of how she actually governed, how she spoke to her people, things like that.
3: You know, it just wouldn't have been a safe place for me to go. I just decided Mm -hmm. she's really not like anyone I've ever come across. and, And leaning on the theatrics of her was something I felt was was just a, a better it was just a better option i just had never come across anyone like this i mean she's elena vernum she's completely unique it's like no one else i'd ever played and i wanted to really make her totally my own and like no one else i'd ever played before and so in order to do that i just honestly i just dug right into the character you know the thing is <clears throat> there have been horrendous dictators for centuries Mm -hmm. and there will be for centuries to come and people will draw from the show whatever they choose to precisely because of that geopolitical backdrop but it was my job to always make sure that i was sticking by the choices that i was making to play this this delusional ridiculous woman living in a fictional country in an invented part of central (laughs) europe and, and, and actually I had more freedom that way, you know, mm-hmm. I really had much more freedom and, and I felt that we could lean on the, we could, we could lean on how neurotic she was, how paranoid she was, how, how insecure she was. I mean, there was so much freedom I gave myself to explore such a wide-reaching range of, I suppose, elements of her mental health area and it was important to me to do that so that she just became fuller. The larger than life she was, the safer I was going to be. So (laughs) I was very lucky that I was encouraged to stay in that direction.
2: Uh, I think it can speak for all viewers to say we were all quite lucky uh, that you were in that space. Kate (laughs) Winslet,
3: thank thank you. you so much. Thank you.
2: Still watching, we'll be back in just a moment.
4: And when we return, we'll make our predictions for who will lead the regime at the end of the series.
1: Okay, so we are going to end each week of our coverage of the regime by taking a guess of uh, who we think might be leading the nation in the end. You know, our opening credits show the flag getting increasingly tattered and then it falls and then it rises again. And like Mm -hmm. does that mean the new leader is coming? Who knows? Um, So who do we think that the chancellor is going to be by the end of the series? Mm -hmm. Well,
4: we should say, by the way, that the winner gets a one-way ticket to Turkmenistan. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever gets and a free concert, yeah,
5: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Yeah. a meet and greet, yeah, meet and greet Um,
1: (laughs) with a man whose name (laughs) I won't even attempt to pronounce. Oh,
5: sure, no, 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 couldn't even have you paid me. All right, Um,
4: my guess is it's Agnes's son, and by Mm. thus and thus by proxy, Agnes herself. So I'm I'm going to take the naive view that by the end of the regime, good wins out.
5: Wow. OK. Meek shall inherit the earth. Correct.
4: Correct. That's yep. okay. OK.
1: I, I like okay. that because, yeah, it's one of those like in front of you, but like maybe twisted enough that it's not super obvious.
4: And maybe it's maybe the the last moment of the of the season or the show mm-hmm. is it implies that maybe that the kid is being corrupted, too. And so maybe he's not it's not not going to be that good anyway. Well, but,
1: certainly being yeah. raised from like childhood as, you mm-hmm. know, a, a prince. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. is something that's great for one's mental health oh. and and self <laughs> yeah, esteem. Pope yeah, Prince.
4: listen to our yeah. The Crown episodes for
5: yeah. more on that. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. To yeah, Google Prince, Prince, Prince Andrew. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I I'm
1: gonna say. I'm going to also kind of go left field. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the obvious answer is like a Zubek or like one of the the, yeah. you know, the finance minister or whatever people who got kicked out. We know that Hugh Grant is going to be on this show.
4: Oh, yeah. We mm.
1: don't know who he is yet. He's not no. in this episode. Yeah. I feel like somehow Hugh Grant is going to wind up in charge, maybe uh, as his Wonka I, Oompa
5: Loompa <laughs> character. I was about to say, maybe as, as the Prime Lumpa Minister Lumpa Lumpa. Lumpa.
1: from uh, <laughs> Love Actually. <laughs> maybe just as star of the screen, Hugh yeah. Grant. <laughs>
5: yes,
1: maybe he plays a character. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to say that, yeah, I feel like he. He has, he has something to do with the end game.
5: Okay. If it ended and then it love actually immediately starts I guess <laughs> that would oh, be yeah. if
1: this whole time it's actually been
5: like prequel 1998
1: to- <laughs> then that's a fun to twist
5: to I'll, I'll go straight down the middle and go for my guy Herbert mm-hmm. Zubek and say maybe it's a story about how you can rise from nothing and you know you get in your way and you you know a sort of the favorite you work your way all the way yeah. to the top and you know absolute power will then corrupt all and whatnot I mean that's a little like I feel like that's too paint by numbers I don't think the show will necessarily do that. But I do think Herbert's shooting to the moon. I think he's only getting more and more power. We saw him, you know, come in as, you know, chief humidifier taker, get knocked down to Mm -hmm. 6 a.m., to the 6 a.m. slot, save her life. I think he's now curried favor, and I think he can manipulate her. And if not him, then someone in his orbit, somebody from Mm. outside the palace walls. His his
1: darling mother or something, yeah.
5: Yeah, his beetroot Friend, you know, <laughs> friends. Um, oh, that reminds uh, me. We
1: didn't. We didn't really talk about the assassination attempt.
5: Oh yeah, which is it's kind creepy. of interesting because yeah. she was more. She was more concerned about breathing the air of the guy than the fact uh-huh. that he could have killed her. He was like, I can't believe we breathe. <laughs> yeah. we breathe the same air. It wasn't really even that. Like, oh, this man. Well, was yeah, because he he came from belly. the
1: outside. He is tainted. Um, but do do you think that? he was sent by the by the people who she blamed for no. to probably, like I think f- he was a random prank. You think so? Yeah. You don't think that somebody in the palace had something to do with it?
4: No. I cuz I feel like the way that he was kind of like th- th- this yeah, he was just like I think it was like a weird impulse and he, and then maybe he was a, not, mm-hmm. not well in the in the mind. Because he didn't yeah. just like go for it. Right. Was just, it was yeah. he wasn't on a mission. Okay. It was like it's, yeah. it just felt like a, what what am I doing here? I
1: don't know. I kind of read that as hmm. like He's being paid. He's like some poor, you know, cobalt miner, like sugar beet Mm. farmer from way out. Like he doesn't actually want to be here. He's terrified to be doing this, but somebody has paid him off and that's why he's hesitating. And I think that somebody in the circle – I don't think it was – I don't think it was Kate Winslet who, like, would have set him on herself. But, like, I don't know. It could have been her husband. Could have been Or it could have husband. been the Americans. True.
5: That is true. Americans love
1: me. to send assassins <laughs> to kill foreign
5: leaders. You, what are you talking <laughs> about, Hillary? I have <laughs> heard maybe. It's never, never happened. It's never happened.
1: i totally, like, I don't know, voting for RFK Jr. or something. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no.
5: Oh, God. Oh, it my God. God. It did death. remind me of that episode of The Crown where, you know, a man just broke into the queen's bedroom and they just sort of sit and have tea all day yeah. um, so there's a president for this um, there is
1: i suppose but yeah I, I, and the fact that that happened i don't know her she's she's not safe people are people are no, coming and
5: the people the, are plotting apparently the palace is
4: pretty easy to get into so that's something yeah. that they should probably crack look into. open a window and they spent
1: then... all that time on fake mold mitigation they don't have any real yeah. security
5: <laughs> it's, true. Yeah, it's true it's expensive <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, that does it for this episode of Still Watching. If you have any questions, theories about who's going to be in control of Genovia by the end of <laughs> the season, you can email us at stillwatchingpod at gmail.com, and we'll try to read the best ones on air. Uh, and you can find me on social media at Rylas, R-I-L-A-W-S. And you can find me on social media at Christris. And you can find me at Hillabuster with two R's. This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Emily Elias, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Jake Loomis. Steven Valentino is our executive producer, and our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. We'll be back next Sunday for episode two. Looking forward to seeing you then, comrades.